doing that, I was face to face with it. It was holding me by my throat. And it felt like it was sucking something out of me. I probably should have been more scared than I was when I witnessed the exorcism. I turned and looked on my right side. When I did, there's, there's a beam on the side of the tree, a large beam. It's looking at me and I'm looking at it. After I hit the lock button and looked back up, I saw red eyes staring back at me. That they're going to show multiple gods all over the earth, be able to speak in people's languages. And at that point, it kind of converge into this one entity, which will be revealed as extraterrestrial. You'll realize that aliens are the gods of old. And at that point, it'll wipe religion out of the context of humanity. No, it couldn't have been a person. I know that. I know that people can't run through the woods like that. So this thing comes into view, and I see it. It's 50 yards away from me. It's walking. It's walking on two legs. It's huge. This is a big, hairy looking being. Welcome back to the show. I am your host, Eric Salagi. If you've had an uncomfortable experience and you'd like to have it featured on the show, please get a hold of me at contact.uncomfortable at gmail.com. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram, both at uncomfortablepodcast65, and please remember to leave us a five-star rating and review where you can. That is the main way you, as the listener, can help get this show out in front of others. The more people listening means more people coming forward with their experiences for you. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got a couple of things to cover here. Events that are coming up September 9th marks the second annual Bigfoot and Brews in Dewajack, Michigan. This year, Robert Kreider and Stacy Brown Jr. will be the speakers. This year's event is a little more a little bit more expanded than what we had last year. There will be a VIP dinner and screening of Stacy Brown's latest installment in the Skunk Ape Experiment on Friday night. Tickets are available now. You can find the link for that Eventbrite in the show notes at the bottom of this episode. Also, you can find it on Facebook at Uncomfortable Podcast 65. Then just about a month later, October 6th, 7th, and 8th, you can join myself, the Cryptids of the Corn, Hollow Sky Podcast, and Kill the Mockingbirds, along with Appalachian Intelligence for the Fortian Airwaves Podcast Conference in Ada, Ohio. Tickets are only $50. That gets you a meet and greet on the evening of Friday the 6th, a full day conference with all, our, all of us in a panel on the day of the 7th, and a special pancake breakfast the morning of the 8th with all of us as a nice little way for us to send you on the road and say thanks for hanging out with us. All the information you need will be in the link tree that is in the show notes. You can visit any of the aforementioned podcasts for links 
and information. 50 bucks, people. You can't beat it with a stick. An entire weekend with some of your favorite podcast hosts, all talking about the weird. Don't forget, Uncomfortable Patreon is live. Head over to patreon.com slash uncomfortablepodcast770 and check out the three different levels we have there. See if anything appeals to you. Patreon at the 5 and $10 levels per month gets you access to the two video series that I've been doing, one being a little uncomfortable and the other being uncomfortable afterthoughts. Make sure to give that BetterHelp sponsor spot a listen about halfway through the first half of the show. There's a promo link that will also be in the notes. And if you follow that link, you can get up to 10% off. Not up to, you can get 10% off your first month of services. Mental health is no joke. Take your time to make sure you're taking care of yourself. Now, for tonight's show, I don't usually get to do this very often by having my guest in studio tonight. And we will be uh, kind of flashing backwards just a little bit to episode 104, which was entitled, What the Hell Was in the Michigan Sky? If you remember that episode, I had two gentlemen on there, Bill Konkoleski and Jack Bouchong, who were featured in Unsolved Mysteries on the new Netflix series. Um, The MUFON director, Bill Konkoleski, if you recall, we covered that flap of sightings quite extensively and even got some real-world information coming in as one of the unknown objects that had been... uh, located and downed over the Canadian Yukon happened while we were actually recording the show. In that conversation, the MUFON director admitted to over 100 more sightings of that 1994 event that's featured in the Unsolved Mysteries episode. Tonight's guest actually saw the same lights that were featured in that episode later on during the summer of that same year. Now, the MUFON director, in his admission, reported that that was an ongoing flap throughout most of that year. And tonight's guest, John, is going to discuss the couple of experiences he had along the Michigan shoreline. So if you're ready for it, let's get into it. If you will, please give a warm, uncomfortable welcome to tonight's guest, John. John, welcome to Uncomfortable. Thanks for having me, Eric. Thanks for being here, my friend. This, this is a crazy, this is a crazy one because I remember, you know, I lived here during the time of it. I remember when it happened. Um, it made news and having been into the, the UFO topic myself for, for years since I was a little kid, um, that was, that was kind of a holy crap moment when over 300 people reporting this. Uh, in March of 94. Um, but you and I, we, we used to work together. And I can remember uh, 
at the inception of, of telling you that I was going to start doing a podcast. Um, you were supportive. You said it was cool. I don't, I don't think you thought that I was going to probably take it as far as I have, but <laughs> no, that was a great idea. Thanks. Uh, thanks to the listeners for making that happen. But, um, we had a conversation over in your department and, and you started to tell me about something that was very, very similar. And it wasn't until like in the past year that I, I tried to get you to pin it down to when that happened. Right. And you weren't really sure. Right. You'd think, you know, seeing, seeing something like that, you'd cement that in your mind, but it was 30, almost 30 years ago. But what you did give me was one little piece of information that let me track it down and realize that it was the same year. Right. Because you had talked about a large tire fire that was blazing in Gary, Indiana, and you could see it from the shores of Lake Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. And I had happened actually seen the news report before we'd actually went out to the lake for that night. It had, you know, just had started. It was a big deal. It was all over the news. And our friends and I were out there. We could actually see the cloud of smoke across the horizon. And we were talking about it. That's, that's why I remember that the, the time was during this big fire, of yeah. tire fire, but I didn't really know exactly what time. So I went back and I started looking online and I found that that tire fire had started in uh, early June of 1994. Was it and, June? And it burned for several months. Yes. They weren't able to put it out. So it does exactly coincide with um, later on that same year. Right. So if you uh if you would i know i know it was brief but let's uh let's get into the couple experiences that you had all right well the <clears throat> step up to the mic here you can pull it closer to you well i'm, I'm petting maverick here <laughs> um the very first time we seen it i was with some buddies up in uh grand mare stevensville and back in the early 90s, the state parks weren't very monitored, so we'd go there in the middle of the night, and a lot of other people would kind of hang out there, and we'd start a small campfire and hang out. And I was a late late night worker, so I was up. I was used to being up all night and sleeping all day, so my buddies and I would go out there and hang out. <clears throat> and we're hanging around the campfire, and one of my buddies had wandered off to do his business and hadn't returned and i started wondering where he'd went to and it was fairly bright out the moon was bright enough that we could see see everything you know i could walk around all right and i seen him on one of the dunes just staring out out over the lake i didn't know what he was looking at you know i thought maybe we'd we'd talked about the cloud and stuff earlier you know and the fire and he was he was just fixated and he's did you see that? And I looked out over there, and, and I, I thought we were seeing, you know, O'Hare or Midway and jets coming and going, you know. And we sat there for a while, and he says, "No, you, you don't. You don't understand. Watch it, you know." And we're watching these lights out over the, over the water, and I wasn't really seeing anything spectacular. It didn't really pop out at you. Um, and as the night got darker. Um, you could kind of tell where Chicago 
and I'm guessing Milwaukee was because of the cloud cover on the other side of the lake. You could see the the light pollution over the, in the sky, so you kind of get a base idea where mm-hmm. these large where cities, the bigger were. cities were. Yeah, and I'm watching this one, and I I just really couldn't put my head together as how this thing was moving. First, I thought, well, maybe there's a crop duster out there practicing, or maybe there's a stunt plane out there because it was it would go straight up and then come straight down then would shoot left and right and one time it kind of did like a circle thing out there and i didn't know you know what to make of that yeah and we're watching that and he's like i was like what is that you know my buddy russ was out there and he's the one that's seen it first and i think there was three of them out there at one time but um we were watching these things, and I'm trying to wrap my head around it. I'm thinking, well, I know there's a naval base or there's a training facility out there, so I'm thinking maybe there's training out there. You know, it's nighttime, but it was it was kind of weird to just watch this thing going back and forth. But it really didn't strike me as really odd until – I watched this thing go down to where the lights in the sky were kind of where Chicago was. It went from there all the way down the coast, north, went north to the coastline to the other bright spot, which I'm thinking probably Milwaukee. It shot that distance, two seconds, just zip. There was, it was very, very little acceleration. It just like somebody took a laser pointer and zip, just moved it over there. Yeah. And then it went straight up into the clouds. And when it did that, it flickered. The clouds just started just scintillating different colors, and it looked like almost like um, heat lightning. And it mm-hmm. did that for a little while. Then it stopped, and it just kind of dropped out of the cloud. And it's just a speck of light from where we're st- standing, you know. And it zipped back down towards Chicago and went up into the clouds and did the same thing. And it did that for a while. And, you know, Russ and I are like, what the f- what the hell's going on what is that you know and we watched this thing probably for 10 20 minutes do do that and every now and then it would stop out somewhere in between and it would go up and down and it would just it would just stop and just sit there for a little while and then it would zip one way or the other and it didn't seem to have any rhyme or reason mm-hmm. you know and after a while we watched that and then we realized that hey this thing's coming straight at us and it took maybe as long for as long as me to say russ i think that's coming straight at us what the fuck is that and he's like i don't know man <laughs> and about that time that's when the thing flew over us no and it kidding. was huge and uh it was just like a big bright light but it wasn't like a spotlight shining down in your eyes it was i like to describe it as I don't know, somebody cut a hole in the sky and there's light on the other side. Because mm. you're, you're like looking into a hole as it went over you. I don't, I don't know if that makes any sense really? to anybody. But That's an interesting way of putting it. You, you, can't, you couldn't see anything other than the light, but it wasn't like blinding bright. It was just a soft, white, bluish kind of light. And it. the best I can describe it is that you kind of looked like you were looking into a hole with light on the other side, yeah. you know. And it was, it was hard to tell how big it was because that's all you've seen. So you had nothing to really reference it by. It was dead silent. 
and it flew straight over us and flew straight into outer space. I mean, we watched it go out for a while and then just blip out. And it the from crossing the the lake to the time it blipped out, maybe 10, 15 seconds. You know, it was enough to us to go, what the hell is that? I don't know. What is that, Russ? I don't know, man. <laughs> and off it went. And so you were on you were on the you were on the western side of the state of Michigan, facing uh, Chicago, facing Chicago. Yeah. So you were facing westward. Um, you know the the description of where you're placing this is almost identical to where they were, where the the event in '94 eventually moved down the coastline. Um, and once it got to about Benton Harbor, it moved out into the lake towards the Gary area. And oddly enough, according to Jack Bashong, um, for the, the, the weather radar in Muskegon at the time, that was the only open water in the lake. Everything else was frozen over because it was March. Oh, okay. Um, but for whatever reason, they congregated over that open water. And if I'm not mistaken, at some point during that, the three objects that had been seen all the way from Muskegon and moved the way down, um, there were up to 20 of them oh, that, okay. that had congregated and were moving up and down in elevation. Um, See, it was hard to tell how many were there because I think there was still jets and stuff you know flying around at that night uh, that night but i think we've seen three of them flying around across the lake but only one flew over us uncomfortable is pleased to have better help sponsoring this episode 10 years ago i found myself in the midst of something i never expected i was in crisis i needed help i knew i needed to talk to someone but my pride and my embarrassment of having to ask for help kept me from seeking in-person therapy. Had BetterHelp existed back then, it would have made a world of difference to me. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service, and it's 100% online. With BetterHelp, you will tap into a network of over 30,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. To get started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and your preferences in therapy, then, BetterHelp will match you with the right therapist from their network. You can then talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable, whether it's via text, chat, phone call, or even video call. You'll be able to message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions when it's convenient for you. If for any reason your therapist isn't the right fit, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. With BetterHelp, You'll get the same professionalism and quality that you would expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you, with more scheduling flexibility, and a more affordable price. With this offer, get 10% off on your first month at BetterHelp.com slash UncomfortablePodcast23. That's BetterHelp.com slash UncomfortablePodcast23. 
Yeah, dead silent. It took a couple min- uh, minutes later. It's the when the fighter jets flew right over us, doing the same trajectory, just hauling ass, and they were loud as shit. I don't know if you've ever been out to, like, Notre Dame when the flyover goes mm, by. Yeah, they were that low. It was nighttime, and we could actually see that they were military jets. Just, there's two of them, they just hauling ass. So no mistaking, they were in pursuit of. Yeah, because we could see them come up over the horizon, and we thought maybe that was two more of them. But they didn't come across as fast as uh, this thing that went over us did. Mm. And you could definitely hear the uh, jets. This other thing went over us dead silent. Not a, All you could hear was breeze. So the additional ones that you thought m- maybe you had seen out there, did you ever see their exodus? Um, no, they could have, you know, things were going up into the clouds and flashing, and they yeah. did that a couple times, and they could have been multiples doing that. Um, it was, you know, you'd watch one, and the other one could be over there doing its thing. But it looked a little like heat lightning, except it was, it flashed constant. It wasn't just like a couple flashes here. It was just like flickering. Like a discharge of energy or something inside the cloud, uh, like a disco ball, or you know, it was it was colorful. Yeah, um, but it wasn't like you know, heat lightning is usually just kind of a white and flashy kind of thing. This was red and blues and just colors. But when it came out of the clouds, there was it was no, it was just a white white light. Yeah. Well, it's interesting that you know, I had told um, Bill Konkoleski about your report and. I was asking him that um, if at a later date we could put together another another show and he could bring to the table a series of additional reports of literally the same thing along the shoreline of of Lake Michigan um, in the latter months of that year. And he he said that there were upwards of 100 or 120 uh, additional, uh, additional reports. And they had gone through the various months throughout so your your experience falls right in line with that being an ongoing flap of of people seeing these things out over lake michigan right um yeah then i think it was august when we went back there and we were just hanging out doing the same thing and we seen something float down the shoreline on our side, just right off the shoreline. And our first thought was, oh, DNR or fishing boat or something like that. And we knew we weren't supposed to be out there. So me and, you remember, Jonas mm-hmm. uh, came down to the beach with me. And there's a kind of a an embankment right before you go out to the to the main shoreline. I don't know if you've ever been to Grand Mare. Mm-hmm. Yeah, several times. But we kind of peeked our head up over that embankment, you know. We were thought, well, if they're getting ready to, you know, drop somebody off and come bust us for being kids, you know. Yeah. Um, we'd kind of scout it out. And what we got down there and seen was kind of hard to describe. Um, what I thought was a boat was just something in the water now the waves were really choppy and this thing was just a couple yards right offshore so you know we had probably two three foot waves out there this thing was dead dead calm it wasn't rocking it wasn't moving around and the center of it you couldn't really see it very well it was uh i, I like to say it's just it was hard hard to focus on 
your eyes just couldn't like see it. Yeah. But there was a small bluish colored light that would circle around this thing. No kidding. Real, it was real slow and just kind of methodically just kind of going around and it was coming from the South and it just made its way up to, uh, it was making its way North along the uh, Eastern shoreline of Lake Michigan. We watched it until it just kind of blipped out of sight, but it was heading like towards cook nuclear plant, you know, and, what? Well, you have you have Cook there, and then you had Palisades in uh, just outside of South Haven. Yeah, Van as well. Buren. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, I thought when we were first looking down there, we were going to go see a you know a boat. Yeah, it wasn't a boat. I don't know exactly what that was, but you could see it shining light into the water too. There, you know, it was kind of that bluish white light. But whatever was shining it down in there, you couldn't really see it. It was just kind of a blurry. Uh, thing and so it, the the main the main light what what color what spectrum of color was that in you said you had the blue light that was going around it yeah it was that's all you could see was the blue light and it was just kind of i don't want to say shadow but it was like there was um really nothing there there was no shape i got you um the the only thing that gave it any context was this blue light that was circling yeah but the middle up part of it was just kind of a dark blurry mess i, I don't know it's it's hard it's strange to it's strange that you describe it as being hard to focus on yeah it was yeah. it was like yeah it was hard to focus on is the best way i can describe it my eyes wouldn't focus on it except for the blue light that was going around it what was uh, what were what were the discussions after you guys had seen these these two different instances? I mean, well, between between you and your friends, I mean, the other people that have witnessed it. The other folks that were with us didn't even notice what we were watching. We were on another dune on the other side of the um, the park. Mm-hmm. You know, we were watching it from there. They only noticed the jets going by, and then you know they called us full of shit when we were talking about the the lights and the flickering and then all this stuff. So it was only me and Russ that actually seen that. And, uh, they were, the others were just kind of focused around their, uh, conversation and the campfire and stuff. And we didn't have any time to actually go say, Hey guys, look at that. Look at yeah. and then, Cause yeah. it was by the time we realized what was going on, it was over, you know? Yeah. Um, so like all told that first experience where you saw the, where you saw the lights going up into the clouds and, and coming back down and then eventually flying over you. What would you say, time-wise, you, you guys were able to watch that for? I don't know how long Russ had been watching it, but I would say I, I watched it for about a half an hour. So it was it was, it was yeah. a prolonged... Yeah, first I was trying to wrap my heads around because first I didn't even see it. I didn't see what he was looking at. And then, then I noticed because sometimes... It, when he was looking at it, it was just sitting still and it sat still for a long time. And then it wasn't until it moved that I was like, well, is that a helicopter? Cause it, you know, it was sitting still and then it moved and then sat still again. And it's like, it was hard to tell how far away it was and just how, you know, how much distance it was actually right. traveling. And, uh, my first thought was this thing's in the middle of the lake and it's either a helicopter maybe looking at the fire, but why would it be out at, you know, midnight or whatever time mm-hmm. it was when we were out outside? And uh, 
that was, I watched it for about a half an hour, I would say, before it finally flew out over us and out into. Well, you know, I, I've spent an inordinate amount of time on Lake Michigan, uh, especially like in the South Haven area. Uh, my parents had a boat there for years, and I, my summers were pretty much growing up there. Um, and and from South Haven, on good clear days, you could see the Gary area. Um, I don't remember ever actually seeing completely across the lake and seeing Chicago with the naked eye. Um, I, I have seen it on clear days, but you can see the you can definitely see the. Uh, lights at night. the ambient light yeah, yeah if it's night. cloudy over right. there you can see it <clears throat> crazy yeah our side of the lake was clear i mean uh, i remember being able to see very well you know in the middle of the night i've been out to grand mirror and moonless nights and it's pitch black out there yeah. there's nothing you, you can't see anything but it was a fairly well at night because i could see russ standing out on that other dune and right. i made my way over there and uh it was, it was an experience, and I didn't really, I really never put the two and two together because, we, you know, we were in the middle of the Gulf War and stuff, and I, my thought was, well, maybe that was a stealth fighter going on. I didn't know what those things could do. Yeah. You know, maybe they were training those in the middle of the night, and it's, it still could be plausible. I don't know. But I would think that uh, my buddy was in the Air Force, and he was over in Turkey, and he'd say when those bombers took off, you know, the they would actually hit the afterburner to get off that runway. He said it sounded like hell on earth when those things flew out of there. And this thing was dead silent. You know, and I don't know if those things fly silent or, you know, I, and I didn't even really think about it until you started talking about, well, there was a big mass viewing back in the 90s. And yeah. I was like, well, uh, well maybe. Uh, and then when you said that coincided with the timelines, well, maybe, maybe that's what it was. I don't know. I definitely knew it was something off and but well, and that's most of our, our friends were giving a shit over it, it was like yeah, yeah. whatever you know <laughs> what do you think those jets were flying after you know yeah. and that that to me right there um you know having the two military jets come over the same trajectory you know in in a pursuit line with what flew over you um to me that's a that's a telltale sign that what you saw is is what we think it was it was definitely um, concerning I, yeah you know but uh the way it looked it was just weird it, it was because it went straight over us so we were looking straight up at it as it went over and it looked like you were looking to a, into a hole uh, a bright hole in the sky is what it well it was kind of oblong but it was I couldn't tell how high it was. Kind of it, oblong. What do you mean? Well, it was roundish, but it was it still looked kind of oblong. It wasn't like completely round. Yeah. And but it was just weird. It, it was almost like I don't want to say crystalline, but it was a definitely wasn't like a light. It was you were looking at something different, and I can't I can't describe it. It's um this is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. 
Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. A lot of times I try to tell people if you take a laser pointer and point it at a wall and you look really close to it when you move it around, mm -hmm. the way the light reflects back to you, it kind of glistens yeah. a little bit. That's what this looked like, except it was white, a bluish white light, and it was inside a hole in the in the sky. <laughs> you know, that's what it looked like, and you know, it was, it was more than just a light. Right? Can you can you say whether or not the light that you saw was it was it emitting? Um, if if it had been closer to you, do you think that light would have illuminated you or or not? I don't know. Maybe I, it's it's hard to tell. Um, I mean, it was still light, but it wasn't like you were staring at a spotlight or anything like that. It was just a very um, like an ambient glow, a, a soft soft light. Yeah. Um, you know, we get, uh, we're in the, uh, flight line for the landings of South Bend mm -hmm. airport, you know, and we'll always see planes coming by and they fly right over our house with the, you know, landing lights sure. and stuff on. And it wasn't nothing like that. You know, it was definitely not a commercial air airline or yeah. anything like that. There was no, um, indicator lights or anything flashing off. It was just the one light and it was big. Um, I want to say just, you know, maybe a couple hundred feet above us. I mean, and it was dead silent and we, we could actually see the military jets. It was bright enough outside that you could see the silhouettes of the military jets as they flew over yeah. loud as hell too. They were just getting on it. <laughs> I don't think there was no sonic boom. So they weren't supersonic, Yeah, but you know, they were, they were roaring. It's interesting because, um, Back around the time of the, the previous episode, uh, 104, I had come across an article. Um, I think it was United Pilots. Um, they, were, they were traveling south along the shore of Lake Michigan. They were about to cross into the Indiana airspace, but they were still in Chicago airspace which puts, if you triangulate how they were describing where they were at, puts them right back at the same spot um, off the off the shore of uh, kind of like if you made a triangle coming out of Chicago and Gary about to the middle of the lake, same basic area where you saw what you did, um, they reported seeing multiple lights over, uh, over Lake Michigan at about 20,000 feet. And, oh, okay. you know, their, their account was, uh, description wise anyway, was almost identical to what you're saying and what was, uh, what was shown in the, um, unsolved mysteries episode about this. Oh, okay. I, so it was, you, you know, know, back in the early nineties, it wasn't really something that was, you didn't even give it a thought, you know, it yeah. wasn't something you expected to see. We weren't out there to, you know, stargaze or anything. It just happened. But now, since then, I've, I always look up in the sky and, you know, looking for, you know, am I going to see it again? I think that's a once-in-a-lifetime thing, and, yeah. you know, but maybe, just maybe. But I've always been kind of fascinated with 
what's out there since then. Well, as, as amazing as that experience was, um, the one, the one where you saw that in the water, that that's confounding. That is, that's something that is, like I said, I've been around, I've lived here my entire life. I've been around the lake a lot and there's just no natural thing in Lake Michigan that would be creating a bioluminescence and, and right. You know. it, it was definitely mechanical, but we were close, you know, the, the beach at Grand Mirror is not very big. Right. From the, if, I don't know if you've been to that bank. Mm-hmm. I don't know what, 10 yards, maybe 20. You know, it, back in those days, it was probably 20, 25. Um, with the erosion that's happened and the right. lake levels, it's it's probably considerably. And this less thing was now. right off in the breakwaters. I mean, it, it, it wasn't offshore. It was right on, like they were going to dock. You yeah. know, and we I honestly thought it was the DNR coming to bust us because we had a campfire going on and it's middle of you know yeah. midnight and we're not supposed to be there in the first place. And uh, yeah, it was it was weird. We popped our head up over there, just kind of. It's better to have eyes on them than them have eyes on you, kind of thing. You know. Mm-hmm. And we figured, well, we're we're away from the fire, so they're going to go to the fire, and we're going <laughs> to skip out of here. It was kind of a you know clandestine right. thing, but yeah, that that didn't that whole thing didn't even pop into my head. It was like, well, that's not a boat. I don't know. Maybe it's a boat, but I I don't know. What is that, Jonas? I don't know. So strange. So you know, having having experienced those two things and it's obviously left an impression on you because you've, you've held on to it for over 30 years. Yeah. Um, it's not something that you've, you know, Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Uh, so, you know, I mean, it's, well, I, I, I don't want to say I didn't forget about it cause it wasn't until we started talking about it. I was like, Oh yeah, I got a story about that. Yeah. You know, it wasn't something that really, uh, it was just a weird thing. It really was, uh, you know, it's funny you, you said something about, you know, you see something like that and you would think that it would stay with you to to remember like what day and what year it was. But the experience I had um, here in this neighborhood, in this house, <clears throat> I can't tell you if I was 12, 13, 14. Um, right. You just know that. I just know what happened. And that was, I mean, it. it I, if I close my eyes now, I can see the whole thing over again. And, you know, it was just this entire neighborhood at about 11 o'clock at night lit up brighter than day. Right. When we were, when I was a little kid, I don't know, probably 10 years old or whatever, there was some lights in the sky that everybody in the neighborhood kind of got out and looked at. And it might my first thought was those uh, spotlights that they do for events, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. spinning around and stuff like that. But they didn't stay in the same area where, you know, usually they're kind of in the one area. Yeah. They, these things moved around. And this was, wasn't like broad daylight, but it was late afternoon. And you could still see them late afternoon. And we went down to, um, there's a, I lived in Oak Manor in Niles when I was a kid. There's a church out there called, uh, it was called, um, what the hell is that? Morris Chapel? No, it's off, um, just outside, not First Baptist. It's uh, Assembly of God or First Assembly of God, I think is what they called it back then. 
and we rode our bikes out there and there was a lot of people standing out looking at it. And the thing that I remember was a white truck with one of those satellite dishes on it out in that parking lot of that church. And I don't, I don't really? know. I don't know what the significance of it was, but you know, it just as a, it was an odd thing as we were kids, but I don't really remember too much of that other than going down there and seeing these lights circle, circling around in the sky and zipping back and forth. But, um, I don't believe those were the spotlights I thought they were. Yeah. It's funny because about two years ago, uh, just right here up at Cleveland and Ironwood at the intersection, I was parked next to a vehicle that was a big, big SUV, like a Suburban. Um, I don't think it was a Tahoe, but I think it was a Suburban. Um, it was white. The, the windows were really blacked out and, um, it was SETI, S-E-T-I, um, the Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence. Oh. Um, and I was like, <laughs> what the hell, what, what are you doing here in, in South Bend, Indiana? Why are, you, why are you traversing through northern Indiana? Um, but they were headed north. And when the light changed, we continued, both of us continued north. Um, at the point where I turned off to go into my neighborhood, which is almost to the state line, uh, they continued northward. So they were, they were going into Michigan. Okay. Another interesting little thing about SETI. Um, if you guys have been paying attention to the, the news reports, uh, as of late with the, uh, the Titan sub that went down and imploded while taking, several multi-millionaires and billionaires down to the Titanic. Um, coincidentally, one of the gentlemen on there sat on the board of SETI. And I'm not saying there is a conspiracy theory behind this, but there are many out there who are drawing attention to that fact. And with with all of the disclosure about these things that have been coming out from our government and uh, from whistleblowers and all that stuff, um, they're trying to draw some kind of correlation to uh, his his being on the board of SETI. Um, whether that's, I mean, it, it is true that he was on that board and it's true that they all died um, in that tragic accident, but... Or did they? <laughs> or did they? Um, you know what my first thought was is, uh-oh, somebody hijacked a sub. Oh. <laughs> you know, think about that. You know, these terrorists like to use pressure cookers and shit to make yeah. um, bombs. Yeah. Well, what the hell's a sub but a big pressure cooker? You know, yeah. It's meant to- Unfortunately, I think they, they, pulled, they pulled enough pieces out of there that... Uh, it, it it does resemble <laughs> the the uh, the Titan, and uh, unfortunately, I heard a yeah they found parts a descriptive uh, a, a descriptive um, analysis of of what they found um, still still inside those pieces and yeah that's not good it's no different than being in a large bomb i mean the concussion just yeah. crushes you to mist 
the word the word that was used in the article that I read was meat paste paste yeah yeah which is terrible yeah, they didn't suffer long not long <laughs> not long they said they had uh, I think that's preferable <clears throat> than waiting three days to run out of oxygen yeah I, I would agree I believe they said that at the first sign that there was a um, uh, a, a fracture in the hull or a, a you know when they knew they had that holy shit moment that something was bad um it was about 50 milliseconds yeah before it was done so um yeah that was probably a much better way to go um so let me ask you have have you been paying attention to the amount of disclosure that's been going on over these past couple of years and how it seems to have been ramping up here in the other oh, how they're normalizing ufos yeah yeah they're they're preparing us for something that's just what it seems like to me i don't know people are it's like the news media is just kind of gently nudging it you know i don't i don't know it, it, it's, it's like they're getting it, you ready for it it's know. it's really a it's really a strange thing for me because for so many years of my life, anytime you ever heard anything about UFOs or Bigfoot or Loch Ness Monster or any, anything, you know, in, in the world of weird on a major news network, it's always done tongue-in-cheek. Tongue it's usually done around Halloween, um, you know, and there's never a serious uh, yeah. tone to it. And it, it's really strange for me to to see that difference, that change that has taken place where now things are being talked about in a very serious manner. Yeah, but they always interject it between some other chaotic bullshit that the government's doing. It's like, you know, oh, and yeah, by the way, the government just declassified 1,000 uh, UFOs. <laughs> and here's John with the weather. It, it, it does, it does at times, it does at times to me feel like Hey, look at this. Yeah. Sleight of hand. Look at this while we're doing this over here. Yeah, smoke and mirrors. Um, you know, and, you know, we were talking before we started recording. There's, there's a huge dichotomy in the, in the UFO disclosure um, camp where you have, you have the people that are of the opinion that these things are benevolent. They're here to help us. They're here to... Um, you know, show us the errors of our ways, clean up the earth, stop climate change, um, you know, that kind of stuff, how to, how to preserve us. And then you have the military aspect of it, which everything is jaded in the, in the theory that they're, they're a threat to national security. They're a threat to a threat to, you know, our, our planes in the air, um, you know, listening to the Pentagon briefings and stuff, you know, everything out of everyone's mouth is, you know, there's been 10 near misses, you know, our pilots are experiencing these things in the sky on a daily basis. And we've had a number of near misses, you know, they make everything seem very uh, concerning and very um, aggressive, you know, and it, it's really hard to, to find a camp to, to plant your flag in on that because, um, you know, I, I truly, I truly believe 
that there are there are other things out there um whether they come from outer space whether they come from another planet another solar system uh or whether they are you know coming into this dimension from another or you know those things sound insane to say out loud you know they really do i mean but I don't think you can argue with the fact that there's enough, there's enough people who are getting pictures and recordings and, you know, the, the stuff that we're getting from our military pilots and stuff that had been released. These things are there. I just don't know that we're ever going to be told the truth as far as what they're, why they're here, what their purpose is. You know, I think the government for the most part wants us to believe that they're a threat. And then you have the, the the other the other segment that you know wants to invite them to dinner and you know tell us the errors of our way and you know let us all be a Greta Greenberg. Uh, See, yeah. I, I, I think that the laws of nature and animals and everything the the way nature works, um, you know, prey and predator and you know food chains and stuff like that. Yeah. Anything that's more advanced than you shouldn't be trusted. Right. You know, they got that way. Some, they got that way because they've done away with things that are beneath less than them. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, do, you know, granted there are some people that are, you know, um, decent, but you know, for the most part, the human humans have pretty much dominated this planet. And, you know, we are for the most part, as far as we know, top of the food chain. Yeah. And we pretty much do as we please and everything else is below us. Well, what do you think the aliens think of us? You know, I I can't, I can't, I just can't see any reason why they would come out to help us if it could just as easily enslave us or destroy us and take what they need to do whatever they, they are here to do. Yeah. And, and I don't, I don't discount that. No, it could also be that they're not as advanced and they're just, you know, they're physically bound by the same laws of physics as we are. They bleed just like anybody else, that kind of thing. And it could, wherever they come from, it's got to cost them time and money or resources to do, do that. Right. So it's not like they're going to do it to just out of curiosity. They're there for a reason. They're not galactic explorers. Yeah, they're looking for resources, and that's how I would see anything coming to us. Is maybe they would trade, but why would they? Yeah, what what what's, what do they get out of it other than maybe food? Maybe they're eating people. I don't know. You know, it could be anything. I just uh, <laughs> you know this whole thing is it's so in your face now. You you don't have to look hard to find something new well if you you talk to anybody here nobody actually thinks you're crazy anymore if you say Mm -hmm. i think i've seen aliens or i've seen uh, ufos people are just like yeah well you know (laughs) good for you you know and 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 i also find it very um suspect that the initial release of all this information was done right in the heart of the pandemic right where it was like (laughs) We're just going to throw that in there. Yeah. Oh, yeah you know, the one, of the, one of the most astounding uh, 
admissions you you could ever ask for from from the U.S. government. Yeah, and and it happens to come out right as, during the middle of of the worst. As kind of an offhand side note to it, just kind of got glossed over. Yeah, and then yeah. some people were paying attention, but most people weren't. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a very strange thing, and I cannot help but. Every time I think about it, I always end up going back to look over here. Yeah, it's sleight of hand. You know, that, that whole years. thing, you know, we, we started with the Japanese balloon, right? Right. Or, or the China Chinese balloon. Sorry, Japanese. Um, the Chinese balloon. And then, you know, a few days later, you got this thing over Alaska that we shoot down. And we can't retrieve it. Now you go, you got to go back to the, the balloon. The balloon made its way across America. got over the, the coast. They took it down and within 12 hours, they had a seal team. They had a support vessel and an additional vessel on site. They were pulling it out of the water and they were collecting all the, um, collecting everything out of the water. But the, the one that they splashed, uh, over Alaska, you know, they said went into icy, ICCs and they weren't be, they weren't able to recover anything, and then the next one a day or two later over the Yukon in Canada, they they knocked that one down and it's in the Yukon and it's intraversible, and they can't get to it and they have no idea where it is, and then we have the one over the Great Lakes, um, was it Huron or or Lake Erie? I don't I don't remember which one. I remember hearing about it, but I don't remember um, much about it. You know, we, we fire a missile at it, and we missed. Where did that other missile go is one of my concerns. And then the other one takes it down. Um, pilots res- reported having their instrumentation going wonky upon approaching these things. And you're going to tell me that with all of the all of the satellite imagery and all of the tracking and everything that we we have at our discretion that even though we couldn't pull the one out of Alaska and we couldn't pull the one out of the Yukon, you're telling me we can't pull the one out of uh, the Great Lakes? That doesn't make any sense to me. You pulled the balloon out of the ocean, for God's sakes. Did they miss it or did it go down? I, I, I really didn't pay much attention to it. Well, the first the first missile fired missed. Okay, and now we got giant wildfires in Canada. And then the second one, the second one took it down, but never, never recovered, huh. which doesn't make any sense to me. Right. And then you know, there's videos you can see on YouTube of of towns in Canada um, who are having these um, public town hall meetings where. You know they're trying to get people into these areas to get them to, to put out the fires, and they're being stonewalled at every turn. You know it, it just it doesn't. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't believe this. Just this past Monday, I could not believe the amount of smoke that was in in our air. Wasn't that bad? It was unbelievable. Yeah. You know, and now there's reports of people over in Europe experiencing it. Yeah, so much for that uh, climate change thing. Nobody's talking about that now. Yeah. It's because it's Canada. Because the whole world is on fire. Now, I was reading somewhere that they've got proof that all those fires, there's like 10 of them, the, the nucleus of those, of those fires, 
all started at the same time. Very, very close. Yeah. That's what that's what they're saying. So it's arson or, you know, some it's deliberate. I think a lot of our fires out there in uh, California and stuff last year and they've believe a lot of those are arsons. It's it's attrition. It's somebody's letting them off, you know, it, yeah. it fucks up your lumber, it fucks it, it screws up a lot of things. And I think that's just, you know, our food uh, places catching fire all over the, the country. And, and how many train derailments? All all near water, um, you know, water sources that are yeah. like the headwaters of places. So, yeah, it's, it's per- I, I, I can't not believe it's not on purpose. It's somebody's doing this. It's not just random. It's too, I don't believe in coincidences that much. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> another one just with toxic chemicals that can poison water for, you know, 50 years. Oh, okay. You know, and, and, and that's what they're telling us. Yeah. But, but what if it's not toxic chemicals? What if it's, what if, what if it's something that they're intentionally trying to get into our water system? Oh, I don't put that past them either. I'd, you know, who are they? But you know, yeah. then you get to that point. A lot of crazy shit going on. So, you know, you want to throw space aliens in there. That's the least of my worries at this point. <laughs> Unless they come down with blasters. That would be cool. I mean, <laughs> at least I'd go out being like, yeah, now I know. All right. You know, there, there was a time where uh, my son and I had a, a discussion that it's like, you know, nuclear war, you know, all of, all of the things that could potentially um, end us or, or put a severe hit to the number of people that are on this planet. Um, you know, what would you rather experience? And my son was like, screw it. Nuclear war. Yeah. It'll be over. I don't have to worry about it and any of that. And well, myself, myself, I used to think, you know, a, a zombie apocalypse would be the one that I would go for because at least you had a chance to, you know, shoot, kill. You, you could spend your days killing things and, and, um, you yeah. know, eventually maybe they'd find a, a cure for it. But see, I, I always, well, not always, but um, my thought was when I was a kid, even my dad would say, you know, it's not going to be nuclear war. It's going to be a super bug that kills everybody else, a big plague. And, you know, you, and then you watch like, uh, what was that? Uh, um, Steven Spielberg's The Stand. Isn't that how the... Isn't that, oh, uh, isn't that how, how that the, was uh, Stephen King. Stephen King, that's yeah. right. Uh, isn't that how he ends the world in that book? Is yeah. a super bug got loose? Yeah. Well, then you start with this pandemic and the way they're talking about it, you know. Yeah. That scared the hell out of me. That I thought that was our extinction level event. I thought that's what was coming. Somebody created it, finally decided to let it loose. And, uh, you know, I'm still not certain that it's not because I think people are still dying from it. But, you know, it's there's so many things going wrong right yeah. now. So many things up in the air. There's And maybe it has a lot to do <coughs> with our access to information it was easy to hide shit 40 years ago all right 
Now anybody with a phone can take pictures and send it to anybody on the planet right now. Yeah, It's hard to hide stuff. So I think they're just coming out with it. It's like, well, we can't hide it any longer. They're right. going to find out. Let's start getting them used to the idea. Let's, you know, just the tip, just for a minute kind of thing, you know. Just, yeah. And I noticed, the, like the last year, like you were saying, the news is just kind of planting little seeds of, you know, the extraterrestrial or UFOs yeah. or whatever. Well, I think I think you have to look at, you know, what happened here just, uh, what, it's probably two weeks ago now, um, out west in uh, Las Vegas with with that family that, you know, literally said something landed in their backyard. Right. And, you know, and they videotaped. And, you know, the video is dark and it's, it's hard to tell. Uh, I've seen some people take that video and lighten it up. Does it look like there's something back there? Yeah, I can see that it looks, it looks funky. Doesn't look right. Um, whether it's been manipulated or or not by uh, you know computer generated images, I don't know. Well, they said that uh, they've seen uh, beings too, like eight feet tall. Yeah, exactly. Dark, dark creatures, big yeah. eyes. And uh, you know, the the thing that the thing that really kind of got me was um, one of the police officers. There was a video who was stopping uh, another car that was in that neighborhood. And he was asking them if they had seen anything. And he said, you know, this, I really, this is not something I really buy into, but he's like, my, my partner saw it and that's, that's good enough for me. So, you know, that's why we're continuing to investigate. Um, but apparently, um, you know, three letter agency had come in and entered the picture and uh, subsequent reports by the police say that their body cam footage and everything was had been scrubbed that the the videos were removed and uh oh no shit you know and then the the family pretty much went dark um after the initial release uh they they weren't talking much about it anymore so but one thing that's nice about it you know we're talking about the maybe whether they're um benign or malevolent mm -hmm. well at least they got shitty spacecrafts because they seem to wreck them a lot <laughs> you know maybe they're maybe they're not they're still testing out their stuff you know maybe yeah. they're, maybe they're not there yet i don't know <laughs> you know what yeah. it's it's funny because you know like you go back and you know like gordon cooper who was part of the nasa program he um prior to being in nasa was was working on a top secret program and he was actually part of a crew of people who filmed the landing of a saucer and the inhabitants of um back before he even got into the nasa program and he was responsible for turning over that film footage after viewing it to set it up the chain of command and it what footage gone yeah completely you know so make copies you know, the other thing is interesting is like when you talk to or when you hear Bob Lazar talk to anybody, um, you know, for years and years, a lot of people said that Bob Lazar was nuts and, you know, everybody's trying to discredit that he didn't work at S4. And, um, but his description of how compartmentalized everything was 
you know, he was working on these things, but he was only working on the propulsion system. Right. He was not allowed to engage with or have conversations with anybody else who was working on, say, um, you know, the, the navigation or, or the, the materials that it was made out of or any of the other things. He was only allowed access to what they wanted him to work on, and that was the propulsion. You know, and the more that this comes out, like from our government with the Pentagon hearings and stuff like that, and the people that they've had talking in front of Congress, it is very apparent that what he described as that compartmentalization is actually very, very true because these people have, you know, people in the ATIP program, which was to investigate aerial phenomenon, were not being given the information from other three-letter agencies who had reports of these other things. They were being kept from the actual group that was studying it. So, you know, I don't think, I don't think we've, I don't think we've come to a point where we're going to learn the truth, but I do think we're getting close to the point where some part of the truth is going to be used against us. Yeah. Um, our buddy and I were talking about that when we both had noticed the the influx of stories about UFOs, kind of in the mainstream media, and it's like we're, we're they're prepping us for something, but what are they prepping us for? Yeah, and I can't remember what was it. There was a project or some kind of thing that came through that where they would uh, fake a alien invasion to bring about the one world government or something like that to bring the human you know yeah there, there's species been species together against one common foe kind yeah of thing. There, there's been a lot of talk about the use of project blue beam as a blue beam i would yeah book, I could um you know and that's supposed to be the use of uh hol- holographic images that are indiscernible from from being real or fake um to me, I, I have a hard time buying into that, you know, the use of holographs to to usher this in. But what I don't have a hard time believing is that if we've been working on the reverse engineering of these craft, because like you said, <laughs> they don't have good mechanics and, and, they, and they tend to crash um, or they're shot down. Uh, whatever it may be, um, I think I think Stephen Greer makes a pretty good point to show that the reverse engineering of this stuff and our intentional replication to the best of our ability to replicate these vehicles and have them move in a manner that is similar. To maybe we can't achieve the speeds. Maybe we can't achieve um, the the high speed uh, counter direction that they can do. But if we're creating these craft and a number of them, so that we can actually put them in the sky and have people see a legitimate UFO, you know, maybe that's enough to usher in what you're talking about. 
Well, the drones we have now are very passable for a lot of the stuff we, we see now. Those racing drones that you've seen, mm-hmm. those things are fast, man. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I can't imagine 30 years ago something like that, but, you know, on a bigger scale, I can't, you know. Of course, the noise would give them away. That's, that's the whole thing. I mean, even... I know that the military is supposed to have um, whisper whisper drones that you know have much much less um, sound to them, but I don't know that they've been able to eliminate the sound completely. Um, yeah, I don't know. You know, maybe at a higher altitude, it's not as noticeable. Um, may sound more like a hum or a you know maybe a I don't know, but I, I truly think that this is all this is all coming to a head because somebody's got something up their sleeve. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. But what is that thing? Who is it? Who are they? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. My guess are they are the elites. Well, John, I appreciate you taking the time. This has been a great hour spent with you. It's been a while since we got to hang out, and I appreciate having a couple of beers with you and talking about this weird stuff. Sure, anytime, man. It was fun. It's good to see you again. Good to see you, my friend. All right, folks, like I always say, stay uncomfortable. Be nice to each other. <laughs>